We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see It's time to express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Meeting of two personalities is like the contact of two chemical substances. If there is any reaction, both are transformed. This is from C.G. Jung. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice, right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Brigitte Gia, and today's theme is the gift of relationships. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation and get more information about how you can be a part of our mission to increase literacy and positive message media. Be the Star You Are has also launched Operation Disaster Relief, and we need your donations to help us help those in distress by providing books and other resources. Please donate today at bethestarur.org. And you can even donate through PayPal Giving Fund with no additional fees. All right. And so for our segment today, uh, for our show in particular, which is the gift of relationships, I thought I'd discuss my own perspectives on relationships with you all. And, you know, I'm no expert to like our upcoming wonderful guest, Chris Armstrong, who will be on in the next few segments. But I do, of course, uh, have relationships with those I love. And I've learned a lot from observing myself in those relationships and experiencing different events within the relationships that I have. And so I thought I'd begin with the basic terminology or the basic uh, relationship definition, which is in the romantic sense. And so everybody knows that when you say, oh, I'm in a relationship or I'm in a new relationship, that means you've started a new romantic endeavor, which is (laughs) always very nice and always very exciting. So I think the important thing to keep in mind about romantic relationships, especially Um, Because it's such a special connection between two people, you want to make sure you have an open path of communication. Uh, Although I am quite young, (laughs) I have had a few, you know, flings here and there. And I think communication is really the most important thing to um, making sure that your partner is not just your partner in a romantic sense, but also your friend and your confidant and someone you can really talk to and someone whose problems you can listen to. Uh, someone that you feel at home with, uh, instead of building a more shallow relationship based on looks or based on small things that might you know, putter out or fade away as time goes on, you want to establish a strong communicative link in order to maintain a relationship and make sure that uh, healthy things are going on in this relationship, that there's maybe no power imbalance or Uh, There's no miscommunications or very little miscommunications that can then be resolved. 
And I think another thing to keep in mind when you're delving into a new relationship or if you're continuing on in a romantic partnership is the role of self-confidence and individuality in maintaining your good partnership. Because you simply attach onto your partner and you two kind of meld into one, then you lose sense of who you are and that can be very detrimental to both yourself and the relationship as a whole. And so when you're in a romantic relationship, you want to be able to maintain your independence as a person, maintain your own qualities, uh, make sure that you're not being absorbed into your partner's interests and your partner's hobbies, your partner's work, uh, or anything like that. You want to make sure that you are still your own person, that you can still direct yourself, that you have a separate personality as well, because you on your own are also a star and you want to be able to remember that even when you're in a new or maybe even a more comfortable romantic relationship. And I think one more big thing to keep in mind when we're talking uh, relationships in the romantic sense is boundaries and how or where to establish them. Uh, This kind of ties in with communication Uh, where you need good communication to be able to set up boundaries in a relationship and to be able or to make sure that the person in the relationship understands the other's boundaries and knows whether to cross them or not or knows how to bridge bridge that gap, bridge that limit or that boundary that has been set up. This also ties in, uh, in addition to communication, with consent in a relationship. So, Definitely, definitely one of the most important things in a romantic relationship or in any relationship is consent, uh, whether it's, again, romantically in a romantic scent, uh, sense or whether it's some other area. Maybe you're, you have a certain topic of discussion that you don't want to come up uh, normally in conversation, you're, uh, you're kind of averse to it, or you have a bad reaction to a verbal cue or a verbal discussion topic, and You want to make sure your partner knows that and you want to make sure that they check with you and see whether you're comfortable with it being mentioned in a more public conversation. That all ties into consent, boundaries, and communication, all three of those things. You want that, uh, you want those areas to be very, very clear when you're going into a relationship and when you're maintaining a relationship and pushing it into the long term. I think with that, we're going to move right along to familial relationships and your your connections with your family. Um, I think uh, as we've just gone through Thanksgiving, I think uh, it's a good idea to go over those once more um, because during Thanksgiving, you have this nice time with your family, but then there's always that conflict because maybe different members of the family have political views that are clashing or colliding or against one another or perhaps there's been some, you know, inner family arguing that hasn't exactly uh, been sitting well with you. It's important to know, um, we had a guest once on the radio uh, a while back uh, who said, there's no family that's without its dysfunction, right? There's no perfectly normal family. And I think when we're dealing with our families, we do need to remind ourselves that none of us are perfect whether we're a parent or a sibling or a daughter, aunt, uncle, anything, whatever role we play in the family, nobody is perfect. And 
we as humans or we as people tend to hold ourselves up above everybody else sometimes and we forget that we're human and they're also human. But we hold ourselves and we hold other people to these higher standards, but then we need to remember that everybody makes mistakes and everybody is allowed to make mistakes and learn from them. And I think that's probably the key to dealing with a family member who might seem a bit obstinate and hard-headed in the moment is just to give them, you know, cut them a little bit of slack, let them figure out whatever must be going on in their life and maybe set them down, talk, talk issue with them. And also in that regard, it's important to use I statements um, as a lot of elementary school therapists teach, uh, but it also, it's, it's very important to use I statements to not accuse the other person of feeling a certain way or acting a certain way. So always start your sentences with I, I am not feeling this way, or I believe that this should happen. Never use you or, you know, seldom use it very rarely because it is sort of an accusatory phrase or an accusatory pronoun, so to speak. So I think everybody, again, has their hardships with their family. There's never a perfect family out there. There's no normal that you have to reach. There's no normal category or there's no normal conditions that a family needs to meet. And all our families are crazy and we love them. (laughs) Uh, It's just important to know how to deal with your family and how to pull yourself off your high horse sometimes and let your family deal with you as well. And I think that sufficiently kind of covers uh, a summary of family and I think we can take it on to friendships because that's definitely a very important aspect of relationships is your relationships with the different people in your lives uh, that are not your family or uh, romantically related to you. I I think personally I've had some struggles with friendships. Uh, I have had some rough ones and I know everybody has had a friendship where they think it might be time to cut it off but then you also don't want to really cut it off because that person is your friend. and You don't want to isolate them. You've been with them for a while and you've shared some good memories. But within every friendship, there is a balance. And if that balance isn't maintained, then something has gone off. And you have a friendship that's really off balance. It's better to step back and take yourself out of that friendship. And you, you'll end up saving yourself and the other person a lot of hurt then definitely consider your friendships and consider all your relationships and make sure that you're putting in a lot of effort. Don't let them throw in everything they've got and leave them hanging, I think is the key to maintaining, keeping relationships and also establishing new relationships. All right. And so now that I've said my piece about relationships, uh, you'll definitely be hearing more from our guest later today, uh, Chris Armstrong is a certified relationship counselor and he'll be giving you the full the full depth of the relationship and how to maintain it and how to keep it healthy. So listeners, be sure to support our show and these amazing segments by donating to the Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this program. And for more information on how to do this, go to bethestarur.org and follow our blog. Our producer and mentor and the founder of Be The Star You Are, Cynthia Bryan, has come out with a new book and it's called Growing with the Goddess Gardener. 
and it's now available with 25% of proceedings benefiting Be The Star You Are and Express Yourself and Keeping Our Programs Alive. So make sure you go check that out. It's available at www.cynthiabryan.com slash online hyphen store. Again, uh, make sure you also head on over to our website at bethestarur.org during the break. I'm Brigitte and keep listening to our lively conversation on the gift of relationships. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Back to our uplifting, inspiring program. I'm Brigitte Gia, and you are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by the Be The Star You Are charity. Today, we're continuing our dis- exciting discussion on the gift of relationships. So, in this segment, we're speaking with certified relationship coach and award-winning diversity advocate, Chris Armstrong. Chris has been a certified relationship coach for 11 years and has helped more than 500 clients navigate the difficult and confusing relationship dynamics. Won several diversity awards for his unquestioned commitment to equality and authenticity, and he's also been published more than 500 times in various media outlets, including MSNBC, Huffington Post, The Good Men Project, She Knows, Your Tango, Elephant Journal, and Divorced Moms. With that, let's welcome Chris onto the show. Hi, Chris. Hi, Dawn. Thank you very much for having me. Ah, good. Thank you. You know, we're glad to have you here, and especially glad because. You're perfect for this theme. You know, we're talking about gifted relationships, and I'm very excited to have a certified uh, relationship coach uh, with me today. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, let's jump right into it. You know, tell me more about your work. You know, what do you do as a certified coach? So generally, how I answer this question is I always start by telling people what I don't do. So a lot of people uh, hear what I have to, you know, hear what I do, and they're like, oh, so you're like Hitch, or you're a dating coach. And I'm actually not. So... <laughs> I don't like dating coaching or dating coaches. I don't mean as people, but like the profession, because really that's about telling people to be someone that they're not just so that they can get a date or so that they could, um, you know, get something that they want instead of being their authentic self. So my big thing is helping people figure out how to have equal and authentic relationships, even if it means finding themselves first and not you know, trying to get into the dating scene or trying to force a relationship if they haven't found out who they are yet. So I'm really big about the distinction between the two. Definitely. Yeah, I think 
the most important thing in a relationship is, I guess, yeah, being authentic and really keeping your own face on <laughs> instead of putting on a mask. And so, you know, you've spoken about teaching people how to treat you. Um, you know, what do you mean by this? Uh, why is it so important from your perspective in terms of relationships? Well, so what I mean by teach people how to treat you is um, you should know as someone in the relationship world and the dating world um, what you need, right, and uh, what you expect. So if you expect someone to be faithful and they're not faithful but you stay with them, you're teaching them that that's okay. If you expect someone to be communicative but they're not communicative with you, you can't make excuses for them and say, well, you know, I'll take what I can get or, you know, they're busy. Well, the fact is... If they're busy and they're too busy to communicate with you, then they're making time for something other than you. And if you accept that, you're teaching them and it's okay. So the statement isn't about teaching people as like a teacher, like I'm going to teach you how to treat me. But by virtue of what I accept from you or don't for that matter, I'm teaching you what I, you know, what I need, what I deserve. And I'm showing confidence in myself by not accepting things that I know that I'm better than, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And I think once you step up, it, it what you said is it definitely shows it shows the other person what you deserve. And then I guess maybe it shows yourself <laughs> what you deserve as well. It, it does imbue you with more confidence. And so I wanted to know, um, you spoke, Chris, about, you know, having to make time for something else or valuing people over maybe a career or something like that. Do you, with everything that's going on in today's world, you know, we have work, we have technology, we have social media. What do you think is the most difficult issue to resolve in a relationship? Like maybe is it time or is it uh, prioritizing commitments? You know, I think um, I might say two things if that's okay. I would say one of the two most difficult things I find that people have to resolve in relationships, to be honest with you, is this idea that... um, this way basically finding equality or uh, equalness and what I mean by that is it used to be that there were you know primary roles in relationships obviously uh, you know between men and women and as women have become more independent they become more confident society's having to adjust and I think for the right reasons frankly uh, but they're having to adjust to what does a balanced relationship look like what does role differential look like and you know, who is supposed to do what and things of that nature. And I find a lot of couples struggle with simply take chivalry, for example. Um, a lot of male clients of mine will tell me, I don't really know how to be chivalrous anymore because I don't know that women want it. And I don't find that to be true that women don't want it. But I think what they're really saying is what those guys are really saying is, um, how can I be chivalrous and respectful of her yeah. desire to be of her desire to be independent? And on the other side, it's a you know a woman will say, um, well, I want to you know I want to pay for you know myself, and but every time I do that, you know he's offended. So I think that balance is the first one. I think the other thing that it's it's hard for people these days is communication for the reason you said with social media with work. Um, I won't say it's worse than it used to be because I think it's just different, uh, you know, um, because there's texting and because there's Skype, you know, because there's online dating. So we get to know each other via profiles and email for three weeks before we meet face to face. When people actually get together, having that conversation, um, putting the phone away, um, 
and basically, I mean, it's going to sound stupid, you know, having full sentences and things like that has become just more challenging. And again, I'm not going to judge it because it's just a different communication style, but it still um, becomes complicated for people, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think especially on the last one, I was taking um, AP psychology notes the other day and we, we went over facial expressions and nonverbal cues. And there was definitely elements of what you just discussed where if you're talking online or if you're texting, sending emails, it is a different feel. You get a different feel from the person through their written words because you don't have those verbal cue, uh, those nonverbal cues. And so maybe when you meet a person in, um, face-to-face, it might be a little different or definitely communication times are changing. <laughs> and I think we can adapt to it. I, I hope we can. Um, but it, yeah, all the, the points that you outlined are definitely probably very big factors in, in issues with relationships today. I always, whenever I think of a dysfunctional relationship now, I think of two people on their phones over dinner, right. <laughs> just tapping away, um, which is, yeah, as you said, it's not a bad thing. It's just a new thing. And so uh, you discussed um, the role of woman and how that sort of balance is also changing. And I know in our country today, um, sexual harassment, bullying, overall inequity, those are common themes. They're being fought against. They're being dealt with. And so are there correlations between, you know, these kind of awful realities and this self-worth and self-esteem of women? I think so for three reasons. So when women, so first of all, there's a common phrase that goes, we believe what we see and we believe what we hear. So take, you know, a younger woman, you know, maybe even a teenager who is seeing all this stuff come out of Hollywood and they're seeing all these things come out of, you know, the Capitol Hill with sexual harassment, sexual assault. And when they hear it and see it all the time, it is absolutely going to do something to, to confidence. And maybe in this case, not even internal confidence, but gosh, is this what I really have to look forward to, you know, when I get out into the real world? So I think confidence in that case is more outward or lack thereof, right? Uh, do I want to touch that environment? Do I want to dip my foot in that pool? But I think the internal things that, that really uh, affect women because of that epidemic, one is when women um, hear all of this and they see it or they know people who've gone through it, it can't help but sort of surface the question of what do we value women for? Do we value women because of the intellectual um, you know, capacity, the intellectual things that they bring? Do we admire them because of the emotional uh, intelligence they bring? Or do we admire them for the physical? Well, when you hear about sexual harassment, sexual assault, and cat calls and all this crazy garbage, there will be women who say, well, gosh, maybe this is all I am value before or maybe this is all men will value me for is the physical and i think the third thing the third way it hits confidence is when women don't see men leaning in to do anything about it especially not proactively right so we do a lot of reactionary stuff oh that was terrible yeah Yeah, i probably could have said something you know i definitely saw it it's gotta well i know it has because i have clients who will say to me it shakes their confidence of men in general, but it also shakes their own internal confidence. Like, I thought I knew my friends better than that. I thought I knew my boyfriend better than that. Not because of what he did to me, but he had male friends who sexually harassed somebody. He didn't do anything about it. So it, women began to some degree questioning, what did I not see? You know, what could I have uh, 
what should I have known? What should I have looked out for? Because again, everything's illuminated and it's all just coming out every day. Especially what's, yeah, with what's going on in current events too. It's just all of these different people being ousted, which is good, which is good. We need to make sure to find uh, the inequity in a system and push it out. But it's also, it does really shake your faith. And so, uh, Chris, I want to know, you know, how can, how can women deal with all of this? You know, what should they do to boost their self-confidence back up or maybe find, find uh, their faith and regain it? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll answer the last qu- or the second part first, if that's okay. So when we talk about trust and faith, there's really two types of trust. And I'll get academic for half a second. There's specific trust or distrust, which means I distrust you because of something specific you did, you as a person, versus institutional, which is I distrust the institution of men or I distrust the institution of women. And statistically speaking, institutional distrust is 76% of our distrust, which, which means in most cases when we distrust, we don't even distrust the person, we distrust the institution that they represent. This is actually how racism and sexism and all that is born. So my point to answer your question is, a lot of times, if we're trying to regain our faith, we have to take a step back and say, is our distrust of whoever this person is that we're about about to go out with, is our distrust of them or is it of men? And if we can tell ourselves it's of men, we can then step back and say, is it fair to categorize this person as all men? Um, and then we, we, we put the mirror in front of us and say, would we want someone distrusting us, not because of who we were specifically as an individual, but because we are a woman? And, you know, if we go back you know, 20 years when men used to say, well, all women are gold diggers, all they care about is money, or all women are emotional wrecks and you know, they're not good for anything else. That's institutional distrust, right? That's where we've had a bad experience, but we put everyone else in the same, uh, paint everyone else with the same brush. To find the confidence piece, there's really a couple things that anybody, women or men, have to do to find their confidence. One of them is they have to realize that if their confidence come or their lack of confidence comes from the judgments of others, the reality is, and if you went through AP Psychology, you know this, um, most people who are judging you aren't really judging you. They're judging themselves, but they're projecting yeah. on you. So if I can tell myself, because it's true, that they're not really judging me. They have their own confidence issues, and I'm simply on the, you know, the, the wrong end the of end. it. <laughs> right. And the, sec- the, the other thing is, most of our confidence comes from the judgments of others. And what we tell ourselves is, whatever they just said is true, and it's front and center. And as long as we're focusing on their judgments... We never even get to improve our own confidence because everything is about everyone else. And the other part of that is, is we have this, especially women, women have a tendency to seek perfection or if they're not perfect, to criticize when the reality is no one is perfect, right? And, but we, it, it seems like women know that when it comes to uh, other people. And in fact, they'll have partners, you know, uh, who they know are imperfect and they will make all the excuses in the world for their partner. But when it comes to themselves, they'll forget I'm an incomplete person just like anyone else. Um, And the last thing I would say to that is, if I can remember that everyone's an incomplete person, to include people that I've dated, and the judgments of others are are really their own insecurities coming out, and I'm on the receiving end of it, 
then I can focus more wholly on why am I awesome? The great thing, so women more so than men have a higher emotional intelligence. That's a fact. Yes, and they women, have. It, it's significantly higher. And the other thing is, women are almost always the ones who everyone wants to talk to. Why? Because they're great listeners. And women are um, better uh, leaders, frankly, when it comes to you know survey scores at companies. But, we, yeah. but women forget about all of that because they let the microscope that someone else puts on them take over. And they just have to take a step back and say, that's one microscope from one person. Let me think bigger about why I'm actually the person everyone comes to talk to. Why yes. am I successful at work? It, just remember that stuff. And anyway, I'll shut up. <laughs> that was, honestly, that was perfect. I think I need to, you know, when I go out into the world, I will remember that. And I hope uh, women in our audience remember that as well. And so thanks so much, Chris. Uh, we are out of time for this particular segment, but we're going to be continuing our fabulous conversation in the next segment. Uh, audience, make sure to go to mazeoflove.com and at maze of with a zero a love on twitter and facebook.com slash maze of love during the break to learn more about chris and his amazing work visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos descriptions links blogs and more also please visit our charity site at be the star and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash be the star you are i'm brigitte gia and we'll be back in the next segment with more of chris armstrong and the gift of relationships Show the world your smile. Be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. We didn't invent Kid Talk, we perfected it. And at a very young age, you're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Brigitte Gia, and our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. In this edition of Express Yourself, we are continuing our fascinating conversation on our theme, the gift of relationship. Uh, so in this segment, we're back with fabulous guest Chris Armstrong. And Chris is a certified relationship coach and award-winning diversity advocate, and he operates as a maze navigator for counseling program Maze of Love. Maze of Love is a relationship coaching service with a modern touch distinguished from other programs by the authentic and practical manner by which Chris and others who work, uh, he works with um, help clients navigate relationships. The program embraces three core actions. 
promoting equal and authentic relationships, nothing less, and breaking down generalizations and stereotypes, and focusing on each person individually and ensuring an actionable way forward for its clients. With that, let's go ahead and welcome Chris back onto the show. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Um, I'm excited to continue our conversation from the last segment. And I'll, you know, I'll go ahead and jump right in with uh, the continuation of uh, what you were talking about with specific and institutional distrust. And uh, you mentioned earlier, um, specifically, we were talking about women and how definitely we as women kind of need to remember that there's certain lenses that people <laughs> place on uh, others because of their institutional distrust. And I wanted to know, since you mentioned last segment about racism as well, uh, having to do with institutional distrust, I know that when you're on the receiving end of racism, uh, I am a person of color and I've gotten some remarks and I know that it stays with someone for a very, very long time. And I was wondering, you know, is there a way for people to move on more easily once they've been on the receiving end of this sort of institutional distrust? Yeah, that's a tough question. Um, I think, obviously, you know, given what's going on in the country right now, um, the challenge is, and I'll answer your question, the challenge is, it's not as direct racism as it used to be, but I actually think it's mm-hmm. far worse because it's what I call... It is. It's underground. So we've we've gone from you know, saying those words that we all know are, are, are wrong to just treating people differently because of their race, generalizing them. And the only advice I can give somebody who has been on the receiving end of racism, of racist tendencies, and, and, and this is going to sound very simplistic, but it's true, is to think about why the other person did what they did Think about what sort of characteristics someone has to have to treat you in a manner simply because of your race or simply because of your gender or simply because of your sexual orientation. Um, And ask yourself those questions and you'll come up with words like ignorant. You'll come up with words like, you you know, stupid. You'll come up with words like mean. You'll come up with words like angry, you know, people that are angry at everyone else. So they they start judging everyone else. And really keep that in your forefront so that when you ask yourself, how am I going to respond? Am I going to respond to ignorance with ignorance? Or am I going to let ignorance, someone else's ignorance, someone else's anger, basically rule my day, rule my life? And, And the answer should be no, of course. But we don't often think about that. What we often think of is the pain. Instead of really what was in the person's head and heart that went, you know, before they caused the pain. And I know that sounds simplistic and it sounds, you know, probably, well, gosh, you know, that's not really good advice. But the reality is the more time we spend on what someone else has done to us, especially something verbal or something. Mm-hmm. Yes, it hurts. But the more time we spend on it, the less time we're spending on ourselves. And frankly, the more time that we are probably making them feel good because we're justifying their beliefs because then we react and they say see that's what i told you that's what we call confirmation bias i perceive that you're a particular way and just based on how you react to my aggression you're going to basically uh show me that i was right and i don't give people that satisfaction i wouldn't want someone to give someone that satisfaction yeah especially with confirmation bias they 
look for things that will that will affirm their their beliefs exactly and i think that's perfect advice is to not let something like that get to you especially maybe maybe especially not outwardly so that your aggressor doesn't uh continue i guess it it ties in sort of um with what you said in the first segment about maybe um you know teaching others to treat you a certain way is that if you give them a reaction then you're showing them that they can get to you they can treat you that certain way and it definitely is i think maybe better for our emotional states as well to try to push past that sort of thing push past those microaggressions and move on so um focusing back on to thank you for answering my question that was that's a brilliant answer and i quite appreciate it i will take that with me um but focusing really quick back on uh women and relationships in particular um be the star you are tries to focus on kind of raising life skills for women and youth and uh finding those and helping these members of these uh specific demographics find that and so what life skills do you believe maybe are uh, not exactly you know fully developed when women maybe particularly young women become interested in pursuing relationships i i think first and foremost confidence and confidence actually does have to be developed and in order for it to be developed people have to ask themselves and they have to understand where do i get my confidence from where do i get my self-worth from so i can just tell you at a very high level there's four areas one of them is material things so those are the people who need to have you know the newest clothes the newest car the newest this new, the newest that in order to feel good about themselves the second is the validation of others and of course these first two are both unhealthy if i have to be validated by others in order to be confident to have some self-worth then that's you know that's not a good thing the other two though are my impact on others and setting and achieving goals so if we could teach women at a young age think about those four ways we get our confidence and break away from that validation of others because that's where uh women tend to get their self-worth they need mm-hmm. justification they need someone to you know tell them that they're pretty they need someone to tell them this they need someone to show them that and as long as that happens or the material things for that matter the thing about those first two are you don't control those things you don't control how others validate you you don't always control what material things you have and thus you're not in control of your own confidence so that's one the second and i guess i'll end it here um the second life skill that i think women have um in fact we talked about earlier is emotional intelligence but we don't often tell them that and we don't often explain what that means um so when you talk about how to deal with your feelings and you talk about how to deal with you know the judgments of others which is one half of emotional intelligence um we're having the conversation now but if there were classes if there were you know sort of audio tapes if there were books that young girls could read about everything we've been talking about to just understand self-awareness and self-management what do i know about myself you know what what i manage based on what i know if i'm impatient what do i do with that and then social awareness and relationship management so what do i know about others and what triggers them and then how can i manage others based on what i know about them i think those are the two skills confidence building and emotional intelligence yeah that's absolutely right is that you know, we need those two skills and we often don't have access to them yeah i I'd always you know, I'd always lived through this lens of women are weak because they're emotional or 
even women aren't more emotional because they're they're simply just the equivalent of men. And I've always heard those two phrases, you know, kind of constantly arguing with each other. And then, yeah, I took my AP Psych course this year and I'm still, I'm in the middle of it. And for the first time in my 17 years, I heard that women are more empathetic creatures. They're bio- biologically, genetically more so, and that that is a strong point. Uh, and that's not a weakness. <laughs> and it's so, it kind of upsets me, you know, that there aren't more classes for younger girls who are just establishing themselves. And it's probably more difficult to grow up without that. Um, and I also, you know, I wanted to go back real quick to what you said about um, those first two stages of building confidence. And I wanted to know, do you, do you know, Chris, um, how long it takes on average to maybe break away from gaining confidence through validation and material things? So, I mean, there's lots of different numbers out there. The reality generally doesn't apply to age or the resp- the answer doesn't generally apply to age. It generally applies to environment. So if someone uh, hangs out with people who get their validation from material things and they hang, hang out with those people all through high school, it won't be until that person goes to college and they... Um, you don't, you know, they don't have a lot of money. They're on, you know, college credits and dorm credits and, <laughs> and, and they're having to find a different way to find themselves, if you will. Um, or if someone, uh, you know, has, a, you know, a rough sort of relationship with their parents, and this is especially true for young girls, then they're going to look for validation from other places. And that's going to happen until them and their parents detach for a little bit, again, go to college or join the military, because only at that point do they realize these relationships are all temporary um, that we get through the validation of others and they didn't really do me any good. So it's early twenties before, um, you know, they're going to get out of that situation. If I gave you a rough guess, I would say 19 or 20 years old to, to be honest with you, but it's also because we don't teach that emotional intelligence and confidence building earlier on. And I'll just say one last very quick thing. If you go to Harvard business review, um, any college that does leadership sort of research, they will tell you emotional intelligence is the biggest gap or trait that's missing in leaders and companies. And if we tie that to women having a higher EQ, which they do than men on average, that's what makes them better leaders, but they have to find them and somebody has to sort of deliberately show them and have that conversation with them. Exactly. You know, we need, uh, as you were suggesting earlier, we need those sort of programs for young girls and uh, to boost confidence and to bring in that emotional intensity that is so important and genetically speaking, (laughs) stronger. Uh, Well, thank you so much, Chris, for this wonderful conversation. I really learned a lot about relationship building, especially a lot of the dynamics that are going on today. Uh, Unfortunately, we are out of time. Audience, during the break, be sure to check out our 501c3 literacy and positive media charity at bethestarur.org. More information is under the events tab at our website at btsya.org. And remember, guys, BTSYA has set up donations for hurricane and fire disaster relief at btsya.org. So please visit and donate to those in need. Make sure you all check out Chris and his wonderful work at mazeoflove.com. And this is at maze zero <laughs> of love um, on Twitter and at facebook.com slash mazeoflove. 
Visit expressyourselfteenradio.com for more information about our show. I'm Brigitte Gia, and when we come back, we will be continuing our inspiring conversation on the gift of relationships. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. The longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Brigitte Gia, and our program is Express Yourself, and today's hour is all about the gift of relationships. So we're joined on air by Express Yourself reporter Zara Hassanane, bringing us another installment of our Hope Heals segment. So I'm going to go ahead and just pop in a question, and then Zara will go ahead and take it away. And so Zara, I just wanted to know, just to start things off, what are some good examples of stellar relationships throughout history? Um, yeah, so I just want to talk a little bit today about how uh, a couple of examples of really good relationships throughout history and how they sort of brought hope to different people or brought hope to the individuals involved in that relationship. Um, so the first one I wanted to talk about was the relationship between Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, who were like, um, I mean, I know a lot of people know this, but maybe some people don't. They were basically like a on-screen pairing of like uh, dancers who used to dance like back in the old days, like the 30s mostly um, and the 40s. Um, and they were both really good dancers, and they were first paired up in the early 30s, uh, right when the Depression started, um, because uh, basically the studios thought that their partnership would be a really good way to bring hope to people in, the, in some really um, dark times that were happening in our country. Um, so they were paired up in the early 30s, um, and they basically like did a lot of uh, really like happy sort of dances together, a lot of romantic dances, a lot of... Um, sort of just really uplifting dances to um, very, like, famous tunes that a lot of us still uh, hum and know a lot of, like, American standards. Um, And so basically the purpose of their relationship was to sort of, like, bring back hope to America um, in the 30s because, like, you know, everyone was sad because of the Great Depression and everything around them was sort of crumbling. And so when they went to the movies and saw Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire dancing together... That was um, sort of like a source of hope for them. It was a sort of escape. Of, a, it was sort of a source of like escapism from all the um, hard times of the Great Depression. Um, so that was, a, I think, a really beneficial and hopeful um, pairing of very hopeful relationship. Um, and they actually worked really well together as well. And they gave each other. They really um, encouraged each other to be the best that they could both be as well. Um, but unfortunately, that pairing did come to an end in uh, you know the late 1940s because their um, 
their movies weren't like making as much money during that time because people were almost sort of sick of them. Um, which sort of shows that, you know, like all relationships sort of, I mean, not all relationships, but most relationships do have their like declines or, you know, they do like end eventually. Um, and even though Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers ended their relationship, I don't think that was necessarily a bad thing. You know, it was still very, um, it was a chance for Ginger Rogers to go and have her own solo career, um, take on more dramatic roles. And it was also an opportunity for Fred Astaire to make some of the best movies, um, that he made in his, his career, um, and to partner with other dancers as well. So I think, um, in relationships, there, in relationships, there's always, um, sort of a purpose for why they end and a purpose for why they started in the first place. Um, as we can see through Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire. Um, but aside from like, I guess, movie relationships, um, Another, well, I so saw I really like old movies, but I also really like <laughs> old languages. Um, and so I really like like Latin. Um, and even though, you know, people think, oh, it's a dead language, it's full of cold, dead men, you know. Um, there are actually some very <laughs> interesting relationships in the Roman world. And one of them that was, is particularly interesting to me and that I think was sort of um, hopeful, but also at times very unhealthy, um, was the relationship between a really famous poet named Catullus and his mistress named Lesbia. Um, so Catullus was a, he was kind of like a, he wrote a lot of erotic poetry, but he also wrote a lot of, um, just like a lot of like rebellious poetry, basically. People didn't like him during, like while he wrote because he was a little too much for, you know, the strict morals of the Roman Empire. Um, so basically, you know, he, but so his main thing um, was that he was like totally head over heels in love with Lesbia. They had a really close relationship. Um, and he wrote a bunch of poems about Lesbia. That's like, that's what he's most famous for. Um, and like, sometimes when you're reading his poems to Lesbia, you can tell like, it's really like a, um, his poems like about her, like really give you a lot of hope because he's like, oh, you know, like, uh, I was like, a lot of his poems are like, oh, you know, like I was so sad before I met you would make me happy. And then he like goes, he like stretches out his love in some big metaphor. And it's just like very sweet. <laughs> it brings you a lot of hope even in the modern day, even though he wrote this like thousands of years ago. Um, but at the same time, sometimes he has these poems that are like, so basically like eventually Catullus and Lesbia, their relationship did also come to an end. Um, and Catullus has all these like really bitter poems aimed at Lesbia. Where, <laughs> yeah. Where he's like, he's like, Oh, like he like when he, the poem he wrote like right after they broke up was like, he basically talks about her and he's like, Oh, like, nobody's gonna bite your lips now and like nobody's gonna like, <laughs> like nobody's gonna bite your lips now and like nobody's ever gonna want you anymore and blah 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 and that kind of shows I know it's a very salty um and like that kind of shows you the other side of relationships that sometimes you know they're not always the most healthy thing ever and also I think sometimes our response to a broken relationship is not the most productive response ever like you know Catullus mm -hmm. Now we look at Catullus as this, like, wise old Roman poet, but, like, I mean, come on. <laughs> if you read, like, a poem where he's complaining about it, I think, like, he's not exactly wise. He's more just bitter, you know? Um, so even, like, a, like, relationship that, um, you know, gave both the um, people in it a lot of hope at one point um, sort of deteriorated <laughs> um, and sort of stopped serving its purpose at a certain point. Um, but I think the important thing that we can learn from that relationship is even when a relationship ends or is like not going the way you thought it would go, I think the response you have to it ending is really important because a lot of people do fall into, you know, really intense 
like that with depression or they like are just bitter and want to ruin the other person's life but it's like you know li- just like let them live let yourself live and like that's probably the best response you can have which is obviously easier said than done but I think that yeah like, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's I think it's what you said is completely correct. You know, you want to be able to react well and you know maybe like a little bit salty, maybe be a bit salty for catharsis, but uh, definitely you know remember yourself and remember that your reaction kind of also defines who you are and your reaction affects you most of all instead of the other person. And so if you're bitter, then your outlook is going to be bitter and you're going to feel more angry and that might be worse for your outlook on life. Um, But, you know, kind of tying into that, uh, I also wanted to ask Zara, you know, Cthulhu's and Lesbia, Fred Astaire, and Ginger Rogers, their relationships kept going onward. And I wanted to know, you know, when should we hope in a relationship? And when should we stop and maybe move on and become more independent and maybe separate from the other person? Um, yeah, I think there's definitely like a lot of warning signs. Um, I think in Cthulhu's and Lesbia's relationship, as well as in, I think, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers' relationship, when you become almost, like, too dependent on each other, I think that's sort of a warning sign that you need to sort of stop and move on. Um, because, in, you know, in the case of Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, they, the reason, like, they were even in the movies and the reason they kept making movies was because of each other. And their success was very, like, dependent on each other, even though both of them, like, by themselves were very successful, very talented people. Um, I think it was, um, you know... I think it's almost a good thing that their movies stopped making so much money because that was sort of a warning sign that, yeah, like we are too dependent on each other and we really should take our careers in different directions. Um, Catullus and Lesbia is the same thing. Like they spent all their time together. Catullus, like when he was with her, you know, he like, after he left her and after he was over his whole like bitter stage, um, he did write a lot of like great poetry about things other than Lesbia. Um, and so, you know, if they didn't um, sort of stop being way too obsessed with each other he never would have written that poetry um at the same time i think when to hope in a relationship is sort of almost harder to tell because um i guess like i don't know i think if it's not like constantly draining you like if it's like if it's something that's like at times draining but like at times also like that like your source of hope you know i think that's sort of when you should maintain your hope that like yeah something can work out and something will work out um, but I guess that's a little more like abstract and vague and sort of dependent on everyone's individual situation. Uh, right, yeah. But yeah. You gotta kind of play it by ear. But definitely, I think I think what you said definitely would be true. Where, you know, even the ending of a relationship can be cause for maybe not celebration, but definitely cause for a new swelling of emotions, a new line of work, a new production uh, where you have these two separate individuals who are now going their separate paths, separate ways, but they're creating these more productive works or they're finding themselves. And definitely there are times when you do want to stick it out and you do want to push through the hardships and maintain your relationship. And so I think with that, you know, it is time to say farewell. Thank you so much, Zara, for that amazing segment. You always come on with these amazing comparisons between past and present and bringing hope to everybody. I think it's absolutely fabulous. Um, audience, we give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our engineer, A-Rod. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world, and thank you, our listeners 
for making us a top-rated program. And you have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For information on our creative community, go to expressyourselfteenradio.com and our main site at bethestarur.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, establish relationships with others, and be here. Stop, seek out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let you